This episode of the Tukey's Take podcast is dedicated to the life and memory of Adam Johnson. We will be discussing the events of this past weekend at the end of the show. So whether or not you were wondering if we are going to talk about it or you just simply did not want to hear it discussed further, there is your warning. Rest in peace, Adam. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tukey's Take podcast, or Sin's Corner, Corner. (laughs) (laughs) depending on who you ask. Uh, Two of us are back, two of the guys, two of the fellas, for what has hopefully uh, become your your favorite hockey podcast that is barely about hockey. We like to call it a fraudcast around here, although in fairness, somehow, someway, Sin, the past couple weeks have been busy, for better or worse, Mm -hmm. we will have... A lot of hockey to talk about today. First and foremost, though, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, I've been enjoying. I, I played a little bit of Madden 06 the other day. I wanted to go back mm. and experience that superstar mode again. And I was just honestly blown away by the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bangers. Banger after banger after banger on that soundtrack. But yeah, yeah, I've been in a bit of a football kick, man. I was watching a bunch of like old Super Bowls. I had to, I mean, I was sending you clips. Of, <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> of Madden so, saying weird shit out of context. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I just I just finished watching all of Brady's uh, Super Bowl wins because I'm like, you know what? I miss that guy. I didn't appreciate him enough, especially in my younger years because I hated him because he was, you know, winning all the time. That's that's just mm-hmm. what you do in sports. You hate people who win. But I'm at right. the point in my age now where I'm, I'm trying to embrace and love all the greatness within sports. Yeah. And uh, so I went back and watched. Can we just talk about how fucking boring Patriots versus Rams Super Bowl was? <laughs> Good God. I for I, I forced myself to watch the whole thing because I was just like I gotta watch every single Brady Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. and I was like, this isn't even a win. <laughs> the like, lowest scoring <laughs> Super Bowl of God. all time. Jared um, Goff, the most yeah. out of place motherfucker in the big game ever. Yeah, I mean, hey, the Rams would get theirs a couple years later, Super Bowl wise, but with Stafford at the helm but yeah. yeah that super bowl in particular it's really weird to be like yep that was brady's last hurrah as a patriot was a 13 to 3 win in the most defensive super bowl of all time yeah um, like the most heartbreaking moment was the rams missing that last field goal to make it a seven point game with like yeah. less than a minute left and i'm like yeah that that's like such an in oh god just mm. It's funny because I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page for uh, Super Bowl. I think it was 53. And there were records set in that game. First and foremost. Was that the Falcons uh, the Patri- one? Uh, 53 was the Rams one. Oh, oh, oh. The Patriots set the record in that game for the fewest points scored by the winning team in Super Bowl history. <laughs> the Rams set the record for the most consecutive drives ending with a punt well, it was in like Super Bowl history. Something like that. Eight. You nailed it. Jesus. Eight in a row. Well, yeah, I just fucking watched it. So, yeah, fewest touchdowns in the first three quarters between both teams combined. Zero touchdowns in the first forty-five minutes. Ugh. Oh, the fewest touchdowns combined. Of course, there was only one. I mean, it. Uh... Even the halftime show was pretty bad, as I recall. Like it was Maroon Five. I was kind of stoked for that, but they they didn't really do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's I funny though that you Adam mentioned... Levine, but yeesh. Yeah. God, it's funny that you, you just brought that up because it's like I knew you were going through the Super Bowls. At least when you were messaging me, it was the 2001, technically 2002 Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams. Yeah. And dude, John Madden was on one for that. Plus, <laughs> you were sending cool. me. <laughs> I love that man so much. I miss him to death. And especially mm. going back and hearing just some of his like, just the way he goes off when given color. Oh, yeah, the color fullback meat and when you got all 250 pounds of meat coming at you like what the hell bro i feel like most people our age are just like yeah john madden they memed him and like family guy and stuff like that but it's like no that was based in reality they weren't just memeing someone for the sake of memeing it john madden provided the, you know the resources for those yeah. memes um yeah, God, I, I could sit there and talk about, obviously, all the Patriots titles because, I mean, and as you kind of mentioned, you were watching them. They're all up on YouTube at this point. Yeah, um, The great. amount of content, because you, you essentially cord-cutted entirely, right? Like, even for most streaming services, you've just been watching stuff on YouTube, right? Pretty much. Like, I was like, yeah, like, because for a while I had pretty much all of them because I was using them. And then when my girlfriend was in town, I got some of them back so we could watch, like, you know, the office and other stuff like that. Then I just immediately canceled them because I'm just not really using them as much. Um, mm. And yeah, so really the only one I have right now is HBO Max because I get it through my phone provider and everything else I've just canceled because number one, they keep jacking up prices. There's no point for mm -hmm. me to just have them there, you know, just yeah. to use whenever I'm not splitting my account with anyone anymore either. So mm. the hell's the point? Yeah. Yeah, we're at we're at the point uh, in in the old the it's old almost like TV again, where um, eventually it's going to circle back and people are just going to get TV mm -hmm. again. Um, but we're at the point where we'll watch something on Netflix for a while, and then we'll cancel Netflix, and then we'll watch a bunch of stuff on HBO, and then we'll cancel yeah. HBO. Yeah, and we just kind of go rotate through. So. It's because they uh, fucking the greedy ass dudes, man. They just keep jacking up prices, and I'm like, you guys are going to lead to the same reason why streaming caught on. And it's because TV was too expensive. People started pirating. And then, you know, streamers, stream, streaming companies jumped in like, all right, here's this cheap thing where you won't have to work as hard and it's legal and it's, it's you know, easier, risk free too. You won't get viruses. And then now they're literally becoming cable providers. <clears throat> Everyone has their own and everyone's just raising prices. Yeah. Um, another question quickly before we talk about hockey. Madden 06. What version? Of Madden 06. PS2. Okay. Or that's that's the definitive one because that was a launch game for the 360. And the oh. 360 version wasn't all that acclaimed at oh. the time. Like there was a graphics step up, but yeah, there, there were some gameplay elements that were kind of off. Hmm. For those first couple years of Madden, people highly recommend, myself included, that you stick to like the PS2 version. You know, the ah. prior gen version of those games because they were uh, significantly yeah. better. I mean, that was, you know, towards the tail end of that golden generation for Madden. I mean, like Madden 08 was kind of where it ends. But no. I, uh, I have a lot of love for 06. Two questions in regards mm. to 06. Mm -hmm. One, your thoughts on the quarterback vision cone. I don't use it. I just leave it there. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, I just have it like I'm like, oh, that's the primary receiver. He's following him. I can pass somewhere else and the defense won't catch on. That's basically all I use it for. That's um, fair. I, yeah, I don't know. But God damn, dude. Like, oh, superstar mode. I well, spent I spent that was my 
That was my second question. At least a half hour. <laughs> Rerolling my right? parents. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and then, dude, I got the sickest one. I got my father is a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, or no, no, Hall of Fame running back, and my mom was like an Olympic sprinter. <laughs> so I've got 95 break tackle. And I have like 95 speed, 90 plus acceleration and agility too. I started at an 87 overall. Still got drafted in the third round, by the way. Mm. But then I got drafted by the fucking Eagles. So Westbrook's in front of me in the depth chart still. Bastard. Mm. <laughs> For those who do not know, um, back in the day with, with that version of Superstar Mode, because Madden brought that back this year. I got to be honest, even though I was a huge fan of Superstar Mode, I haven't touched it on Madden 24. Um, yeah, I don't even essentially, have what you would do, you could create your player, and then, yeah, you would get random parent characteristics for both your mom and dad that would boost up certain attributes. So it's like your dad could have been uh, an Olympic power lifter, and your mom could be a superstar accountant. Yeah. So you'd get great strength, but also like great awareness, which would be great because awareness in Madden mm-hmm. is always in kind of the general. You're good, so you have high awareness rating. Um, you could get it so that you like your dad was a, a garbage man, but your mom yeah. was an Olympic high jumper, and that would change certain attributes. And you'd want to try to perfect it. It would be randomized as well. You could choose what you wanted. So you could sit there for half an hour, an hour, just hitting the button again to get mm-hmm. the right combination of parent traits to go along with whatever player type you're playing as, because you could play as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of custom characters, you could play as a kicker, a punter, whatever you wanted. So you could generate, okay, here's the best skills for my player type. You could also pick the real-life rookies. So, man, back in the day, I did superstar mode as rookie Calvin Johnson. And literally every route would just be streak down the field, one-on-one call for it, touchdown. Because he was insane. <laughs> I have... <sighs> such fond memories of Me superstar too. mode um there's not too much like it you know mlb um has had it with certain years of road to the show that has been awesome uh nhl obviously certain years of be a pro there still isn't too much like it in regards to that feeling that you get from a really good be a pro superstar style mode when it's at its best mm-hmm. it knocks most other gameplay experiences from a sports game just completely out of the water. Yeah, I completely agree. I I, I remember playing it in in on Madden 06. I'm like, man, I want NHL to have something like this. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember when they finally introduced Be a Pro. It was either NHL 09 or 11. Was it 09? 09. Well, they're actually pretty quick on that. Only three years. They've really slowed yeah, down. Just, now it takes them fucking forever to get up to speed. <laughs> That is why um Probably when I got to talk, existed. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That that is why I got to talk to again a current member of the EA NHL dev team who was there with the 2K team at the mm-hmm. time uh and it was the the big combination punches of skill stick EA SHL and be a pro. Yeah. That is that that trifecta is what murdered the 2K series. They didn't stand a chance once those came out. They just didn't have the resources to kind of keep up with the push and the support that the EA NHL team got at the time, which is uh, not what they get nowadays. So 
There's NHL 24 for you. It's but. unfortunate because 2K's gameplay was – I'm going to say their gameplay was really good, comparable, I think, in, in like the, the 2K that we play all the time. I'd say it's comparable to what NHL was at the time. Mm. The thing that really separated it for me was their animations um, yeah. and the AI. Yes. Like the way that they cycle, the way – oh, man. It's, be- it's like better than most of the time right now. Because there's only one tuner set, and they tune it for hut, and so because everyone bitched about the skill zone, you can't have good defensive AI now. Yeah, NHL 24 makes me sad, and I mm-hmm. get asked about it on a nightly basis. And I got to be honest, I'm playing NHL 15 Next Gen Edition right now. <laughs> it's not good, but. It does some things where you're like, oh my god, even NHL 15 does some things better than modern NHL. The primary example that I've found is when you are in the trade screen, there is a compare option between your assets that are on the table and the AI's assets that are on the table. When you look at a draft pick, it shows you the AI team's record, their record in their last 10, Oh, wow. It gives you information. When you look at players, it gives you all the information that you would want, age, potential, overall, player role. Um, And you can also look at the best skills of each player, so their strengths and weaknesses that are defined. Um, There are little gems in in every game um, (laughs) that we look back on fondly, even NHL 15. But I'm having more fun with that than I've had with 24 and um that that breaks that breaks my heart yeah oh goodness well with that i hope you enjoyed our little uh trip down memory road in regards to some older games which uh hey we're, we're both big fans of of course um but again we have a lot to talk about today so we will get into it first and foremost as always i have to mention that the show is brought to you by our lovely friends at manscaped.com. I want to remind you that you can use the code Tugi, T-O-U-G-I-E, for 20% off your order and, and you get free shipping on top of that. An absolutely ridiculous deal. And again, uh, perfect time to start thinking about the holiday season. And it's tough to top a gift from Manscaped, especially to the 5.0 packages are starting to roll out. The performance package 5.0 Ultra is now out as well as the perfect package 5.0 ultra everything that you need to be looking at your best beach body season may be over but even through the winter you still have a chance to look your best with our friends at manscaped send with that let's get things started here and you know obviously too i, I did want to mention um in terms of endo's absence on the show you got me talking about old maddens it's, it's not fair i'll just go off on tangents um yeah. endo's fine he's just really tired uh he's been working his ass off lately still playing a lot of hockey and stuff like that um when we get to our final story of the day he did add some stuff that he wanted me to bring up so we'll technically hear from endo on the show but let's kick it off by hearing uh, from one of our lovely viewers. We'll, of course, sprinkle in some viewer questions here on today's show. And our little warm-up question is, how soon is too soon to push the panic button in sports? It's it very depends. situational, Beth. Yeah, it's very situ- situational, I think. You know, like, if you're... 
if you're the Oilers, uh, wait till McDavid. <laughs> let's let's wait to see if McDavid can start going off. And mm. if you still can't get saves and like you're still losing, then hit that panic button. Um, if you're the Flames, now. <laughs> yeah, so we were going to use this to kind of serve as a segue to talking yeah. about the Heritage Classic. In a general sense, though, with hockey, the date that's always thrown out is American Thanksgiving, which is a little bit under a month away. At this stage, you get to be roughly 20 games or so into the season, quarter of the way there, essentially. It's a good chunk of time to say, okay, this is what we are, and are we what we want to be? In the context of the Flames and Oilers, especially, um, obviously, you know, big talk of the NHL. We had the Heritage Classic last night, a 5-2 win for the Oilers, a game in which, you know, hey, finally, they, they got some scoring. Imagine that. Um, I don't have too much to say in regards to the game, mainly because I wasn't able to catch all of it, so I don't feel like I have the full context of the game. Um, it was a win that both teams desperately needed, though, yeah. at this stage, because... While it might be too soon to hit the panic button, it's not too soon to recognize, okay, this isn't quite going the way we want this to go. From the Oilers' perspective, we talked about them on the last show, the lack of depth and all of the problems with that roster. You know, Fortunately for them, uh, Connor McDavid has the uh, Wolverine John Cena healing ability where it's like, oh, he's going to be out for a week or two. Ah, four days. Yeah, uh, he ended up playing last night. Um, it, it's still a situation with them where I feel like what we talked about last week is is very much still relevant. The lack of depth, the construction of the roster, and are they going to be able to overcome that? Because still, I look at the fact that they're running seven defensemen. We look at the bottom five. There is one point on the board between Derek Ryan, Adam Ernie, Dylan Holloway, Ryan McLeod and Connor Brown. Eight games into the season. Yeah. Um, you know, is it too early to hit the panic button for them? Probably. Although, if you think back to the prior few seasons, how it's ended, how they've looked, uh, maybe not. But for the Calgary Flames, uh, I saw a stats in that kind of sums up their issues right now. I love you this. may recall that Sean Monahan was a longtime member of the Calgary Flames. I have a Sean Monahan jersey hanging up on the wall behind me right now, in fact. Sean Monahan was traded from the Calgary Flames to the Montreal Canadiens on August 18th of 2022 for future considerations. The Habs picked up Monahan and a conditional first round pick. Uh, which they are guaranteed to get to take mm -hmm. Sean Monahan. <laughs> Sean Monahan has more points this season than Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri combined. I don't recall if that was posted before Kadri scored last night, but that really just kind of sums up the problem with the Flames is they're getting depth scoring. You know, like they, they have some points on the board. Goaltending hasn't been good. Their defense hasn't been good. Yeah. And uh, the players know it. 
Oh yeah, um, and one in particular seems to know it uh, quite well is uh, Zadorov in, the, mm. in in an interview. First off, said he wanted to apologize to the fans and said that they're playing like shit. And he also, I don't know if it's the same one, but he also called out um, essentially the Flames team and and their efforts of late. Like he's like, and that's that's huge, man. Like when you start getting guys like saying that like you know we're not good enough we need to do more like you know people aren't necessarily buying in that's that's bad like that's Mm -hmm. really bad and if i'm management like i am shaking in my boots that a player's out there saying that and uh and you'll probably want to try to pull them aside and be like all right yeah easy like (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know we know everyone's frustrated but easy um but that's that's the thing with some of those European players, man. They they, they don't mince <laughs> they don't words, care. dude. And uh, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure as a fan, you love to hear that. You're like, hell mm-hmm. yeah, good, yes, like yeah, you're playing like shit. At least acknowledge it. Um, but but what I really think about is like, you know, what's happened recently to the Flames, and like, you know, it's last season. The whole narrative, uh, how, uh, obviously, Daryl Sutter outlived his usefulness. He, you know. Mm-hmm. It was too rough on everyone, and that's why the the vibes were bad and all this other stuff. But like now, what? Who's right. left it, the blame? It's getting into that kind of Leafs conversation, right? Where like you mm-hmm. get rid of Babcock. Okay, you guys got what you wanted. Now do the thing, and they don't do the thing, and it's it's very very similar to that. And it's like, so what's the what's the excuse now, Flames? You, Jonathan Huberto, you ten point five million dollar man, not you know Nazem Kadri making what seven uh, i want to say is currently making seven million for, for five more pretty, years after this yeah i was gonna say at least at least five or six more years um yeah so <laughs> so clearly vibes are bad or whatever the hell is going on there and it wasn't mm-hmm. just because of sutter like who right. i don't know man like some you like, don't people need a slap in the face i don't know you don't have the excuse anymore, like you mentioned, of, oh, it's the coach, because mm-hmm. they have a new coach and Ryan Huska. Yep. Oh, well, it's, it's the GM. Well, you have a new GM now in the form of Craig Conroy. And obviously, Conroy has not been there for long. But I think the takeaway you can have at this stage for the Flames is that the construction of this roster just isn't it. Yeah. Like, if it's going this poorly already with a new coach at the helm... um. They didn't have too much roster turnover based off of last season that I can recall, at least. Yeah, no. Um, It just screams that the construction of this team isn't right. It's not necessarily the coach that's the fault for the the locker room uh, not gelling, I guess. Like, it's early, but they are closer to that panic button than I'd I'd say a lot of teams are. And. You look at assets that they have to trade away. You have Elias Lindholm at 28 years old on the final year of his deal, making just under $5 million. Um, You're not going to get a gigantic return for this guy at this stage, I would say. Yep. Um, you know, he is a former point-per-game player. He had 64 points in the prior season. But where is your leverage they have no leverage at this stage to say, okay, you're trying to get rid of Lindholm because he's on an expiring deal. We're not going to give you as much. 
Yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to lose him then. Because if you're trying to trade him, it's clear like, okay, it, it's not like, oh, he's our guy. We have to keep him. You have no leverage at that mm-hmm. stage. Uh, Dylan Dubé is an RFA at the end of the season. So is Adam Rzechka. Um, And then for forwards, A.J. Greer, who scored in the Heritage Classic. Way to go, AJ. They still have um, Manjapane. And, uh, man, he really disappeared after looking like he was going to break out that one year. Yeah. he. Uh, so two years ago, 55 points, 35 goals in a full season. Mm-hmm. Last year, 43 points. Uh, and now bad. this year has six and nine, which is the same stat line oh, as. I, he's not doing too bad then, actually. Oh. I just don't hear his name as much. Like, I guess the hype with the Flames, you know, they're not, they're not like throwing. Yeah, they're probably pretty right. down in the dumps. So yeah. that's my bad for not doing well, my homework on that. It's maybe not the same upward trajectory, though. Yeah. Right? Like, you get the 55 points, you think, okay, you're getting paid over $5 million now. Here comes the big breakout. That big breakout still has to happen. Yeah. Um, the biggest issue for the Flames is their defense. Mackenzie Weger, who just signed an eight-year extension at 625, <laughs> and Rasmus Anderson who is currently suspended, uh, has two years after this at 4.55. Those are the only two defenders on their roster signed beyond this season. Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Osterley, Dennis Gilbert, even Oliver Shillington, um, who is still out uh, on LTIR. All of those dudes' contracts are up at the end of the season. They're in um, such a horrible position because they've just signed long-term deals, and and it seems like what the th- what the thing they need is a rebuild again. Mm-hmm. That sucks. That's this is an awful, awful position for them to be in because you had you just signed two unmovable contracts. Plain and simple. Anytime someone signs long-term, it, it becomes unmovable, and it's not because like teams won't won't want that those guys. It's just that teams are committing to their other cores. Right. Like you don't necessarily there's not going to be too often where people acquire core guys on long term deals that that's just mm-hmm. it's it, it happens very rarely nowadays, especially. But yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Weger at six to five for the next eight years. I mean, that's not bad. But you also think that brings him up to, I think, age 37. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, he'd be a core guy for you at that point. How many teams are going to necessarily do that? I mean, the Huberto one in over 10 million obviously is horrifying at this stage. Um, those are still your core guys. The question is for them is can you, and he just resigned uh, Kale Backlund as well, can you <clears throat> retool on the fly? Can you rebuild on the fly while still having, like, you're not going to be able to fully strip it down. Yeah. You can't go full scorched earth like the Buffalo Sabres did in the uh, McDavid Eichel draft year, for example. Um, But you can try, you know, and if your scouting department's on point, you know, you're not going to end up. I mean, unless you win the lottery, you're not going to end up um, with a a top two, top three pick, most likely, because I don't know if they'll be able to out tank other teams. They're certainly not going to be able to out tank another team we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Um, (laughs) But. You know, if your scouting department's on point, I mean, we've seen it. You never know if, uh, uh, you know, Mappe Michkov is going to fall the seventh overall in a draft. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, we can get this guy because, you know, hey, if there's worries, you never know. They might pan out for us. Um, I don't know where they go from here because the coach, the GM, they haven't really been able to put their own spin on this team yet in Calgary. And it just screams, this isn't it. Yeah. 
especially with that defense. Again, five out of the seven on expiring contracts UFA is at the end of the year. You don't have the trade leverage if you're Craig Conroy um, to get this like massive deal for Noah Hannafin. And it's worth noting, too, uh, Noah Hannafin has a modified no trade clause. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an eight team no trade list. Um, Christopher Tanev has a modified no trade clause with a 10 team no trade list. As you look at the situation of, okay, we got to make trades. And then you look at the realities of it. It's just Craig Conroy continuing to lose leverage with every layer you peel back. And it's like, oh, God, where? How, how do you get out of it? Yeah. And then fortunately for them, they're really stuck in a situation where it's like, how do you boost those guys' value too? Like, oh, no, like, it, it's tough. It, it's, it's really tough. It's a very similar situation to like in what the Sharks are in where it's like, yeah, we picked up all these guys on one-year deals. It's like, hey, we might be able to flip them they're doing awful <laughs> and like no one's like, eh. you know, there's not too many bright spots. So they might not be like the big names to go after and you won't be able to get too much for them. Right. And yeah. And the flames aren't supposed to be there. Sharks are. And that's just horrible for them. Well, you mentioned the sharks and we can kind of segue into that now. Um, in general, the first topic that we kind of have is the sharks as a whole before Mm -hmm. we get to talking about uh, a sharks adjacent topic. Also a Bruins adjacent topic. The sharks officially finished winless in the month of (laughs) October, not only winless. I think we're at one goal a game, dude. It's so bad. Apathy literally at a goal per game pace through nine games with an Oh eight and one record. With a uh, league-leading, shall we say, negative goal differential. Really quickly, in terms of positive goal differential, there are three teams right now who are in double digits. You have the Vancouver Canucks at a plus 12, which is, I mean, hey, they're, they're one of the early stories. 5-2-1 and one yeah. to the first eight games. Not a bad start. The Boston Bruins at a plus 14 with their 7-0-1-1 record. And the Vegas Golden Knights with a plus 15 goal differential at 8-0-1 on the season. The bottom three, negative 11 for the Seattle Kraken with two wins in nine games. Very rough start for them, as we mm-hmm. discussed. Calgary, who we just talked about, with a negative 15 in nine games played. And bringing up the rear, the San Jose Sharks... With a negative 26 <laughs> goal differential <laughs> in nine games. You know, I didn't get a chance to see that 92 team, but here we are. <laughs> For those who don't get the reference, the 1992 San Jose Sharks finished with a record. Now, keep in mind, um, their first season, the inaugural Shark season in 91-92, they finished with a record of 17, 58, and 5. The next year, 92-93, 11 wins, 71 losses, and two ties, I do believe at the time. Um, with uh, 17 losses in a row, including a game in which they scored first against Calgary... And then lost the game 
13 to 1. <laughs> oh, boy. This is maybe not on pace to be that bad. But at the same time, you can't necessarily rule it out. Like, it's tough to imagine in this era of parody, the Sharks not being able to win more than 11 games. But they legitimately have just one point through their first nine games from an overtime loss. Mm-hmm. This is looking tragic. Now, they're going to improve slightly when Logan Couture comes back from injury. But it's it's really bad. We're gonna we're gonna pick up some wins though because the one bright spot. Well, there's a couple bright spots, but one of the largest bright spots as a team, like in the on the whole, I can't even really say team. It's Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, <laughs> he's been really good. Like his goal, his 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 goal saved above expected is unreal. The mm-hmm. Sharks. I looked at a I looked at a chart. We're actually top ten in goals saved above expected. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So just to <laughs> just, just even sim- yeah. To, well, to simplify it though, they're two goaltenders. Blackwood has a three eight four goals against average in six games. Kokkinen has a three seventeen in four appearances. So obviously there was a, a game where they swapped mm-hmm. goaltenders. Both of them have identical nine oh seven save percentages. Yeah, three to four goals a game, but they are both still over a nine hundred save percentage on the season that goes to show that they are getting shelled they are under constant threat game in and game out and are standing on their heads just to keep the sharks from losing every game five one five nothing yeah and uh another bright spot which uh this guy's gonna go unnoticed until the sharks are kind of good but if you if you watch the games he He's he's growing in leaps and bounds as a player. Uh, William Eklund mm. has been absolutely unreal. Is not getting the points to show for it simply because no one on this team can finish, uh, and also because Quinn is obsessed with playing him on the third line with Luke Cunning and someone else that rotates in and out. But he's keeping him with Luke Cunning this whole time. Sure, mm. um, but Eklund had this shift against um, I think it was Carolina where it, for about. A good 20, 15, 20 seconds, maybe even more, but I think it was like, yeah, 20 seconds at least, where he was possessing the puck in the offensive zone and fighting off, you know, cross checks and slashes from Brady Shea. He went around the horn in the entire zone, was working the boards, and he couldn't, no one got open. The poor kid is in there, like completely taking over a shift in the offensive zone, and he has no one to pass to. And that, perfectly kind of summarizes kind Medium of the, the ashl ability yeah that too um <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like he's looking so good and he had this he had another brilliant pass in the game against washington where he gets it down low at the net corner sends it like a blind pass like between his legs that goes right to look luke cunning in the slot who's unable to bury it and, the, the, and these are not isolated. Like, it, once a game, he'll have a beautiful feed or two that can't be finished. And I'm I'm very, very happy with the way that he's been looking. Bordelow, unfortunately, hasn't quite gotten, gotten going. He got sent back down now. But William Eklund is looking like the player that we drafted him for. 
the points will come, but it's going to be really painful this year. And I, I don't understand why Quinn is not giving him a shot on the first line. He's gotten zero time playing with Hurdle this entire season. And I'm like, you're seeing what he's doing. Why don't you give him a shot on the top line? And mm. that's just the David fucking Quinn thing where he keeps playing like Duclair and Hoffman and Barabanov with Hurdle. And uh. yeah, meanwhile, looking on cap yeah. friendly right now, uh, which was updated before last night's game, I'm actually going to uh, double check through daily faceoff as well to see um, what these line combinations are listed. And I just want to make sure that there's the consistency uh, between the two and it looks like it. So the mm-hmm. Sharks lines right now, top line is listed as Duclair, who has one goal in nine games. Yeah, top line, point. sure. Tomas Hurdle, five points, four assists in the nine games. And Fabian Zetterland, who was tied for the team's lead uh, goal scorer mark with two goals in nine games. He deserves it. He's been he's been a fucking horse out there. Their second line is Eklund, Mikhail Granlund, who's only played two games this year, started off the season injured, and Luke Kunin, which is uh Yeah. Third line, Zadina, Nico Sturm, and Mike Hoffman. Hoffman with one assist in nine games. He's been so bad, dude. So fucking bad. And the fourth line of Giovanni Smith, Ryan Carpenter, and Kevin LeBanc. Kevin LeBanc, by the way, who makes 4-7-2-5 against the cap, has no points in six games. Yep. He's looked good some games, but Quinn does not like him. Mm. <laughs> he does make some bonehead passes sometimes, man. But like when you're lacking offense, stop putting him on the fourth line. You have Cunning on the second. Ah, yeah. It just feels like it's probably more painful right now for Sharks fans than it has to be. Like it can mm-hmm. still be that situation that you were rooting for at the start of the year. Let's be bad, but let's see some bright spots. And right now, it's it's more difficult to find those bright spots than it should be. Yeah. Because you are limited to William Eklund, Hurdle trying his best. <laughs> Zadina has some bright spots here. Like, Yeah, he, he's had some really good games, but then other games he's invisible. Mm. Um, that's unfortunate. But, man, when he looks good, he's he flies around the ice. So if he can develop some kind of consistency. But, yeah, the most consistency has come from William Eklund, which is hilarious. And the way I mean that is, like, he's consistently improved his game. And he's starting to become more vocal. And mm. he's, you know, he when he says something, like, he'll say something in an interview. He's like, he's like, I just want to play hockey out there. I want to get the puck. I want to possess the puck. I want to make plays. And he goes out there and he fucking does it. And the, he was drafted as, you know, a future guy who could be a leader on this team. And we're starting to see it at the age of 21. Again, mm-hmm. the points will come. I'm just hoping he doesn't get like a huge knock in his confidence. But the way he keeps continues to get better and the way like he continues to really start to control the pace of play and really take over the offensive zone is a good sign. It's just, you know, you're, you're always you're obviously nervous. It's like, fuck, man. What if he's just like, fuck this, get me out of here at some point or like just as like no one's finishing these passes because in, in so many ways with his vision, he reminds me legitimately of Jumbo. He's a, he's a different player, but the passes that he makes are fucking unreal sometimes. I don't know how he sees them. Like, I don't know how he how he knows that that player's there. And he, it's yeah. 
Well, I'm excited for the idea that 24 years from now, William Eklund is going to retire <laughs> on social media with a gigantic beard and no shirt. Yes. God, I miss Jumbo. Joe Thornton has officially retired from the NHL after 24 seasons. Obviously, he has not played for a little bit now, but um, this this was this was an interesting kind of moment in time because I feel like right now, for me as a uh, as a Boston sports fan in particular. I've had those moments over the last few years of like, okay, David Ortiz has retired. Tom Brady left and then retired. Zidane Chara has retired. Bergeron just retired. Um, but there was still something about this where it really kind of hit of like, ah, oh, fuck, Joe Thornton's not an active player anymore. And I think it's a um, good friend of the, the podcast, uh, one X-Tech, who put out his thoughts about the retirements um, where he's just like, oh, God, I'm old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Quote, seeing Jumbo retire means my childhood is officially over. It's done. I'm old. <laughs> and that's that's how it feels. I mean, this was a guy that, again, like I mentioned, 24 seasons between the Bruins, who took him first overall in 1997, the Sharks, where obviously he played the vast majority of his career, and then over 1,100 games. <laughs> mm hmm. Since so at the nuts. end with Tampa and uh, not Tampa, Toronto and Florida, excuse me, um, 430 goals, 1,109 assists for 1,539 points in 1,714 career games played. Um, this is despite. For, for me, at least, who knows, there might be some debate. Um, for me, despite the lack of team-based hardware, um, and despite just a lone Art Ross and Hart Trophy, which came in 2005-2006 as the leading point scorer in league MVP, uh, Joe Thornton, to me, is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he was one of the NHL's stalwart players for years, even as he began to get up there in age, you know, we're talking about his age 36 season in 2015, 16, he was a point per game player. And he, the only player that had more points than him in this, like the second half stretch of the season was Sidney Crosby. I, re I, re mm. I read a stat like that, like the last 50 games or whatever, or something like that. Like he was like well over point per game. Another ridiculous stat is that after he got traded to the sharks, like, he was scoring at like almost McDavid levels after mm. when, when that trade happened and he went through and he went to the Sharks and he had that heart and Art Ross season. I mean, he had what was it, 90 something assists that year? Or was or was that just with the when he got traded to the Sharks? I, I can't had, remember, but it he was had absurd. two seasons with 90 assists or more. Yeah, like <laughs> the man is man was absurd. And yeah, and I remember that like renaissance of Joe Thornton when he just went absolutely nuts down the stretch. And and it's so sad, like that we he didn't doesn't have a cup. Just in general. You know, I was yeah. hoping when he started chasing it, I'm like, just please win, man. You deserve it. It's not gonna be with us, mm -hmm. obviously. And but yeah, I mean, there's the chance. The twenty sixteen, unfortunately, you ran into pretty much a team that wasn't gonna be beat that year. And yeah. they 
proved it by winning back to back the next year against Nashville too. The 2019 run into the conference finals where it seemed like for once calls were going our way, we were getting favorable reviews. And I'm like, wait a second, is the world coming together? And then because for the first time in a long time, everyone hated the Sharks because we were getting calls and reviews our way. You know, that was the five minute major, the offsides review against Colorado. And then the fucking hand pass against St. Louis, which ended up being the death knell because then St. Louis came out and headshotted everyone on the team. Uh, mm, knocked out gotcha. Hurdle. Uh, Hurdle got injured. They fucked up our defensive core. It, yeah. And so that was after that hand pass, St. Louis didn't lose against us. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so many close calls. It's funny too because you talk about like his playoff performance and. That was part of what led to the trade in the first place was during his time with the Bruins. He was labeled as a guy who does not step up in the playoffs, particularly his last playoff series with the Bruins. Oh, three, oh, four. First round, they lose to Montreal. No points in seven games and a minus six. Yeah. So the narrative was, you know, here's a guy who had put up points in the playoffs in the past, but this is our leader. He's not getting it done. And then the next thing you know, after the 0405 lockout, he starts the 0506 season with the Bruins, gets traded to the Sharks in November, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and then plays in 11 playoff games with San Jose that year, puts up nine points. And then all of a sudden, you can look at his, his playoff history, and he does very, very well. Like as a Shark, 144 career playoff games with 115 points. Um, that is pretty goddamn solid and in his career in general 134 points in 187 playoff games like i don't think like he's not the most prolific playoff scorer of all time you got to remember when he started and what era we were playing through too like yes scoring went up after the 05 lockout but it's it wasn't close to the point we're at now Right. Like it, it it went up for a few years and then it kind of came back down for a while. Remember, I mean, remember the season Jamie Ben was the highest point scorer with like just barely point per game up. or whatever. Like mm-hmm. what year is that? I feel like that was the mid teens. It was. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm looking it up really quickly because I want to make sure we uh, I want to make sure we get that right. But that is the the most infamous one for the Art Ross trophy is. And, and just to elaborate here on this. Right. Let's talk about this. Joe Thornton won the Art Ross in 05-06, like I mentioned, with 125 points, <laughs> which is hilarious. That is That was the most points an Art Ross Trophy winner had between 05 and 06, all the way up to 2019, when Nikita Kucherov put up 128. Yeah. And there's still only three other players, uh, excuse me, four, post-05 lockout to have 120 points in the season. Sidney Crosby, Nikita Kucherov, and Connor McDavid now twice in a row. That's the company that he's in in terms of scoring. And looking back at the Art Ross winners, 05-06, all the way to 2012, the Art Ross winner always had at least 104 points in a season. The 12-13 season's the outlier because it was a lockout shortened year, so San Louis had 60 points. Mm-hmm. The next year, uh, Sidney Crosby won it with over 100 points. And then 2014-15, Jamie Benn wins it with 87. And then it goes back up to at least players with 100. There were some inconsistencies 
in those years in scoring. And you got to remember, too, at the time, you had rule changes out of the 0405 lockout, some rule changes out of the 2012 13 lockout that cost them half a season, and then continual changes to goalie pad size mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. Um, the old joke again of hockey is a great sport when it's finished. And Joe Thornton is a constant at the NHL level of production despite all of these consistent changes. Yeah. He Even is... more impressive when you consider towards the end of his career uh, when the game continued to get faster and faster and faster. And he was never a, a fast skater. <laughs> uh, he was good on his blades. Like, you fucking good luck knocking him off the puck. And he had pretty damn Yager-esque. good agility. Yeah, and he was he had really good agility, like uh, like underrated agility, especially in the corners, and that helped him to make all the passes that he did. But yeah, but then also again, he had some deceptive uh, straight line speed. I remember on this one back check, I can't remember who he caught up to, but it was a pretty fast skater, and he back checked up and lifted his stick and took the puck. And it's Joe Thornton on the back mm. back check doing that thirty at age thirty five plus. <laughs> <laughs> So he could, he could, you know, he could skate when he wanted to. It just wasn't the, the you know, wasn't that part of his game, really. Like, yeah. what, a, what a man, I, though. I think to the longevity, uh, he is sixth all time in games played in the NHL. Um, only behind, and he's of the six, they're all in the 1700s. He's only behind Ron Francis, Yermir Yager, Mark Messier, Gordie Howe, and Patrick Marlowe, who, of course, is the all time leader in games played one of the very few of course to have played 24 seasons or more i mean the company that he's in there is alex Dalvecchio, chara uh yager messier chris chelios gordy howe i mean his longevity was insane he is seventh all time in assists um in the 1100 club um alongside paul coffee yager bork messier francis gretzky um and he's i believe yeah top 10 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 he's 12th all time in points mm-hmm. um only behind and I, i'm gonna keep saying the names to emphasize like he's a first ballot hall of famer bork mm-hmm. esposito sackick lemieux eiserman marcel dion francis Howe, messier yager gretzky those are the only all players in there who have put up more <laughs> points than joe thornton in the nhl not I a mean, top 100 player, though. <laughs> I they felt, they felt not, Duncan Keith had to be in there. <sighs> fucking morons. I do not like to reference this. Um, because, yeah, that was a thing where the NHL, what was it, for the centennial season, right? Yeah, I believe so. Put out their list. Of the 100 greatest players of all time. They had Kane um, and Taves and Keith in there. And pretty sure Seabrook, too. (laughs) I'm trying to find the list. Because if you search NHL all-time 100 players, obviously you get certain articles that are out there. Um, Okay, I think I found it. Uh, Yeah, it was the centennial season for 2017. The 100 greatest players... Of all time. And um, there's no Joe Thornton. There's no Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> um, 
there are a lot of fan bases that support a lot of teams that could be like, ah, uh, where the hell's this guy? Um, there were there were a lot of them, but yeah, especially at the time in the aftermath of three straight cups for the Hawks, there was uh, there was some Hawks bias um, within the the voting. That's, that's crazy. Sure. That's cra- Hawks bias from the NHL. No way. Mm. Mm. Huh. Yeah, it's funny though that Eric Lindros made the list because you'd think the biggest takeaway for I loved Eric Lindros by the way he's one of my favorite players of all time. Um, he never won a cup, so you'd think that would have been one of the big takeaways for him because clearly it was one of the big takeaways for other players. Yeah. Um, but they put Lindros in there on that list. Lindros, no jumbo. Imagine. I'm still getting Duncan Keith and no jumbo. Fucking hell. The nature of that list was always bound to cause some division amongst people. Um, but yeah, yeah, it um, it didn't go over well at the time and it didn't age well in the first place. <sighs> Not nah, the dick writing's insane, though. Like, <sighs> that's just how it felt when I was looking at that list. Like, is Seabrook on there? I know Keith is on there, but if Seabrook's on there, I'm going to lose my fucking shit. Like, holy crap. Keith is on the list confirmed. No Brent Seabrook, though. Mm, Thank goodness. Okay. Taves, Kane, and Keith did make it. Fucking lol that Taves and Keith are in there. Yeah, but three cops. Think of the leaderships. Yeah. That really never, you know, came into question later on. No. No, it didn't, did it? Hi, Hawks fans. Hi. Yeah. We, we love you guys. You, you have caught Bedard had, now. We're all salty. <clears throat> shouldn't have had the pick, though. We have fun here. Yeah. With that, um, we do have another viewer question to bring up. Um, and I will give people forewarning after the viewer question is when the show gets heavy. Um, but we have this question here. Who would win in a wrestling match? Ronald McDonald or the Burger King? And what would their finishing moves look like? Do you have yours? Because I have mine. Do you have one for both or just for one or the other? Oh, just one. I'm going all in on someone who's winning. Okay, so really quickly, what what brand are you representing here? And then I'll come up with the oppositions. Oh, okay. Well, McDonald's is winning in my in my universe. Given given the fact that again, and Finland has totally ruined this for me. I don't think Burger King's a shit, as a lot of people say. But McDonald's is the king, so they are going over in this instance. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need a second to to think about this. Okay. But, well, I have it. Uh, Ronald McDonald is a clear winner, and uh, his finishing move is known as the the ball pit massacre. <laughs> and, and and what he does, I can't is, have that as an episode title on this of all shows. Oh Mc, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, unfortunately, the McDonald's Fuck. ball pit massacre. Um, so well, yeah, essentially, he's going to get him in almost a. Uh, a combination between, you know, a tombstone pile driver and like a pedigree where he, he, you know, gets them right in his ball pit between his legs. <laughs> and then he 
slams them down like face first on their stomach as he sits down. So fun then, fact, yeah. because I am a nerd, that is already a move. Fuck. It is. Well, I didn't know that, so it doesn't count. I know. It's okay, though. I just, I'm going I'm to give you some wrestling history here. Um, you are you are aware of the wrestler by the name of Booker T, are you not? Yes. Okay. Are you it's aware of his, Yeah, yeah. That's are you I'm aware doing. of his brother, who is also a wrestler? No. Okay, so they were a part of a tag team in WCW called Harlem Heat, uh, and it was his brother Stevie Ray's finishing move that he called... The slapjack. <laughs> so it does exist, and now yeah. we can confirm that Sin's favorite wrestler uh, is by default is Stevie Ray, um, <laughs> whose finishing move Let's the slapjack. And I just linked to Sin. I linked him a, a video from WCW NWO Revenge for the Close, except, except except Ronald would sit instead of kneel. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that's more. All right. Hold on. Hold on. You didn't mention the sitting down part. That I is also a move. Fuck. <laughs> you wrestlers, stop. Oh, I mean, but how, how, how many how many relatively safe moves can you do for a finishing move? You know, there, there's only so much. So so that yeah. that was a move that was more so. Um, it's similar if this is what you're thinking of I linked this to you as well uh, a wrestler by the name of Christopher Daniels who called it the angel's wings um, you're, you're, you're along the same lines might not be exactly what you had in mind but very very close yeah Fair. but yeah that's the ball pit massacre <laughs> god um, so I have I have options right for, for the Burger King um now, he is also, of course, as we know, the Sneak King, as immortalized in the Xbox 360 video game. Um, so, you know, he, he can be very, he can be very sneaky. Uh, the maybe Sneak he... King. Wait a sec. What, what's that from? Oh, did you not know that was a video game? The Sneak King? Oh, my God. So Burger King put out a stealth game <laughs> where you were... You were the um, here. I'll, I'll link it to you in chat. No they played a stealth-based video game in 2006. Do you remember like the, the the Burger King mascot, the guy in the crown? Yeah, yeah. And the the target uh, of this game was you take control of the king who was tasked with sneaking around while delivering four different types of Burger King meals to hungry people. Oh, did he? So he didn't assassinate people or anything, did he? He didn't assassinate people. He fed them delicious BK. Oh my god, I love stealth games. This is one of those games where, like, if you show it to someone twenty years later, they're gonna think like it's not a real game. Like it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be the topic of possible Mandela effects. I can't wait for that. Like that's insane. Uh, what the hell? The sneak yeah. king. That's amazing. Please continue. I want to know his finishing move. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you were to base it off of the Sneak King, it's like you have to do something sneaky, like he, you mm -hmm. know, like, all blows his opponent before rolling them up. But that—that's not quite a finisher. Um, I'm trying to avoid the obvious of something Whopper related, right? Because you didn't go with like, oh, it's the Big Mac, and he hits a yeah. splash off the top rope. Um, so I was looking at the Burger King menu. Which is always a fun time. Yeah. And they were make me hungry. Yeah, no shit, right? There are two things that stand out. One 
is a burger called the Double Mushroom Swiss, <laughs> which I just think is a really good basis. For it's a meat. really good burger, too. Fuck. But they have something on the menu called a beefacon. <laughs> the word beef and then A C O N. The, the beefacon. Good gracious. Which, in terms, like, that's the name. I don't, I can't quite decide what I want the move to be. Part of me wants it to be, um, there was a wrestler in the 90s by the name of, of Doink the Clown. And, um, he, he at times was a good clown. He at times was an evil clown. But one of his finishers, of course, was named the Whoopee Cushion. <laughs> Because he's a clown. <laughs> so basically, he would jump off the top rope ass first and sit on his opponents. I feel like that is that can be deemed the beefacon. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> With a name like the beefacon, it has to be a maneuver that is ass first. Yeah. I feel like you have the more interesting... Uh, what could I even use for Burger King? They don't have ball pits. McDonald's had, like, the Play Palace. Like, McDonald's was always the one... I don't know about you, but my McDonald's, like, 15 years ago, they had, like, the fucking GameCube set up so you could just go play on a fucking GameCube within the Crazy. restaurant. I, like, I was... No, I, was, I wasn't going in the play areas when the game was around. You. I was in middle school by that point. So Yeah. Well, I'm not saying I was a ball pit connoisseur myself, but um, <laughs> what what has Burger King ever had aside from They did have like fries. a play area. I remember that. But yeah, uh, <laughs> apparently the better tasting fries, according to Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still discovering their menu. <laughs> You know what they call a chicken sandwich? Just like a straight chicken sandwich? What? It's the long chicken. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> oh, God, we don't have the McChicken. We have the long chicken. And this whole segment, by the way, on top of making people hungry, really terrible will bring segue. back tremendous people, or tremendous memories for people that watch uh, us play FIFA Pro Clubs on stream. Because since we discovered recently that um, Burger King is not called Burger King in Australia. Um, somebody else owns the rights to the term Burger King <laughs> in Australia. So down under, they are known as Hungry Jacks. And this fucking menu for Hungry Jacks will make you want to go to Australia. So that Ooh. is everyone's homework for tonight. Is Hungry J I'm going to give them free advertising. I don't give a shit. Hungryjacks.com.au Look at this fucking menu. And please, can we have the conversation? Whiskey River Whopper. Holy shit, that looks amazing. And that's just the what's new items. You can. There's a little toolbar at the top to look at Pulled everything. pork. Oh. Dude, they have a cup that has popcorn, chicken, and french fries in it for $4. How and when did it happen that other countries do fast food better than the U.S.? 
Because we know we can make shit food and overcharge for it. That's, you know, yeah, maybe that is the answer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I want all of it. I will take a fucking gout attack for one of those burgers, dude. (laughs) Like, the chicken looks bomb, too. Don't get me wrong. But I'm having some of that goddamn Angus. They also call their chicken meal a chicken royale. Triple cheeseburger. Super stunner. Oh, man. Fuck me. I'm getting way too hungry looking at that. I gotta... Fuck, today's, gotta my ve- today's my veggie dinner night, and you got me looking at Oof, that shit. Fuck. This is why, Sin, I will continue to implore you to give FC Pro Clubs a chance with the fellas. I know. I just Because we sit there, even if soccer's not your deal, I still think you can enjoy the competition level of the game, and then also, we play GeoGuessr between games and discover weird-ass shit like this all the time. <laughs> I implore you. So with that, we have one of the most difficult transitions of all time, one of the most difficult segues of all time, but yeah, there's, there's no, no way to there's do exactly it. no good way to transition topics. And I wanted to still have that moment of levity that I knew that question would provide. Um, I mentioned this earlier on on twitter and twitch that um and i, I want to oh god I don't, I don't even know how to I don't, okay i don't even know how to bring this up essentially because it is the biggest story in hockey right now but it is a conversation that we have to have we do try to keep this show light and fun like podcast should be because at the end of the day it's a group of friends in this instance with Endo missing the show. It's two friends sitting around having fun talking about hockey. But the biggest story in hockey right now um, is the passing of Adam Johnson at 29 years old. Um, and there's a lot of different ways this conversation could go. I'm tempted, Sin, to just be like, I'm going to rant and interrupt me whenever. Um, all I want to say is to the fucking people still sharing that video, fuck you. Like, I'm so glad I haven't watched it or I haven't even come across it, but a lot of people have. And the fuck, man? Like, what? Yeah. Um, that. So, unfortunately, I don't want to say the negative side because there's a lot of negative to this. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this incident is very much out there in video form. You know, it was a game that was being broadcasted. There were fans in the stands. I haven't seen, thank God, any clips from people in the crowd that recorded shit on their phone. Although there are uh, written testimonials, essentially, as to what went down after the video clip that is going around um, happened to cut out. For people who essentially do not know, I'm sure you do at this point, you're listening to a hockey podcast, but Adam Johnson is a, a former NHLer. Um, who was playing in the UK um, that was involved in an incident where one of his teammates and a player on the opposite team, who I am not going to name because there are fucking psychopaths out there on social media who are trying to make this into, oh, he murdered him. A conspiracy. God, dude. As if there have never been any incidents in which after contact, a skate has come up. 
I do not buy into this theory. Well, he kicked his leg into the air to stop Johnson's momentum, who was cutting across the ice at the time. Do not give validity to these people. Do your best to ignore these people. I don't even feel well enough to... Like, I don't even know if this is the right decision to even mention the fact that people are trying to make this a thing, but it is a necessary thing because I would like to think anybody listening to this show or watching this video on YouTube after the fact is not the type of person who's going to sit there and try to make this more of a thing. Yeah. Um, I think about what the conversation is going to be now in regards to this. And obviously we're going to talk about neck guards a lot. And uh, something that I keep going back to is this idea that, Oh, neck guards, they're not cool or they're not comfortable. You know, what's uncomfortable watching that fucking video on Twitter. That's uncomfortable. You know, what's uncomfortable is seeing his teammates rallied together. I believe outside the arena addressing fans, some media were there as well, covering their statements. What's uncomfortable is seeing friends and former teammates of him on Twitter talk about what a fucking loss this is to them in their personal lives. What's uncomfortable, and this comes from the athletic article on the story earlier where they interviewed uh, Riley Tufty, former Dallas Stars draft pick, uh, who mentioned that Adam Johnson was recently engaged. And then he and his girlfriend were living over in the UK while he was playing hockey. And that he leaves behind both of his parents, an older brother, and a lot of family. Um, that is fucking uncomfortable. The conversation surrounding proper protection and equipment needs to change. And it's not because Adam Johnson made a mistake. He didn't. He was essentially failed by the hockey world. Because he, much like 99%, it feels like, of other pro players, do not wear neck guards. He was simply following the status quo of the sport. Which is why I feel comfortable in saying that the sport failed him in this absolute goddamn tragedy that occurred over this weekend. Um... I have a bunch of different thoughts here, essentially, and I might bounce back and forth between different topics. And again, at any time, feel free to interject, um, because how the fuck do you cover something like this? My first thought that I want to mention here is that the NHL needs to lead the charge right now, moving forward on pushing for this to be mandatory. It is currently mandated for youth leagues in Canada, but USA Hockey does not have this as a mandated requirement for players. It is worth noting that the EIHA, the English English Ice Hockey Association, is now making neck guards mandatory for all players on on-ice activities starting December 31st. The only reason it is not 100% mandated right now is they are concerned about equipment shortages. So they're saying right now, if you have one, we heavily advise you wear it. And after the end of this year, it is mandatory. You will be wearing a neck guard in our league. The NHL needs to lead the charge on this. 
if you mandate, because I can't help but think about this, at 29 years old, you're going to have, or older, even younger, you're going to have people push back against, again, oh, it's uncomfortable, it's not breathable. It's already instilled in players of that age. It's already instilled in players who are 19 years old playing in college hockey and junior right now. But I think about the next generation, the nine-year-old kids that are learning to play hockey right now that are going to be draft eligible nine years from now. Those are the kids. That is the generation where it's, if you want to play in the NHL, you have to wear a neck guard because it's mandatory in that league. You need to instill in everybody right now that neck guards and wrist guards are mandated. Because similar to, and the thing that I can continue to equate this to, uh, because I had this conversation with my fiance, um, we had a, a car trip yesterday, and it's like, okay, what are we going to talk about to fill up time? And I told her about this incident. And we had the conversation in regards to cars. Vehicles weren't always standard with airbags and seatbelts. But unfortunately, as they say, rules are written in blood. And was there pushback in regards to wearing seatbelts? Of course, some people still don't. And especially when they first became a standard thing, there are people, I'm not fucking wearing this. Um, even fucking rules around drunk driving. There are people, I'm not following your fucking rules. But eventually, it becomes such a norm and standard that someone of my generation at 29 as well, every time I get in a car, I just do it. I don't think about it. I don't think about how people didn't used to do it. It is normal. It is commonplace. And that is where you need to get with this equipment. You need to make it normal and commonplace. You need to have kids from day one who don't view it as, oh, God, you got to wear this extra piece of equipment. You need to get it into the mindset. The the best time to do this was 15 plus fucking years ago, if not more. The next best time is now to instill in these kids that it is just a part of the equipment. It's not an extra accessory for safety. It is just the standard for equipment. And it's... I think we're still good here, hopefully. I really don't want to have to go through this rant again. We had a little slight disconnect. We should be good. I didn't see it. Okay. I... I, It needs to be standard. And sorry, I lost my train of thought. But it needs to be standard for these kids. That it is just another piece of equipment. Yeah. No different than your fucking shin pads. It is just what you put on when you play hockey. There's no other choice surrounding this, especially, too, because we have seen in the past Clint Malarchuk get his neck cut during an NHL game, and it's a fucking miracle he didn't die. And the only reason he didn't is because the fucking trainer that came off the bench was apparently a fucking medic in Vietnam who had the best fucking training you could possibly goddamn have and knew exactly what to do to give him the best chance of survival. It is a fucking miracle that he didn't die that night. Richard Zed... uh, You know what? Before I even bring up Richard Zednik, for goalies, it's still not fucking mandated to have the neck guards. 
How is that still a choice? The Malarchuk thing happened in what, 89? Somewhere between 89 and like 93? How is that still not mandated? That is irresponsible as fuck. And sometimes... That's one of the main reasons I don't watch any sort of hockey compilation videos in there. Because mm-hmm. like half the time it just fucking gets thrown in. And it makes me sick to my stomach to watch that clip. Mm-hmm. <sighs> hockey itself is an inherently dangerous sport. You are never going to be able to remove the full danger from the sport. I think we saw that um, over the past couple of days as well, that you are always going to have incidents like what happened with Eric Brandstrom this week as he was down essentially convulsing on the ice after a pretty routine finish check by Cal Clutterbuck. The only way to avoid that is to eliminate checking. That's not going to happen. You are going to have, and I should mention as well, the Oposo Kale McCarr incident, um, which, you know, there's debate over, oh, what was Oposo's intent? You're always going to kind of have moments like that in a fast competitive sport. And no one on this show, at least, I imagine, is arguing for the removal of checking from the men's game because it's just, it's not a realistic thing. That's just not going to happen. It is always going to be an inherently dangerous sport, but you need to learn from these incidents and evolve with these incidents to stop them from happening again. Neck guards for goalies not becoming commonplace after the Malarchuk incident is absurd. Neck guards for players not becoming commonplace after the Richard Zednick incident is fucking absurd. Wrist guards not becoming commonplace after Evander Kane had his wrist sliced last season is fucking absurd. So again, I reiterate that Adam Johnson was failed by the hockey world because in a grand scheme, people just didn't learn. They just kind of said, well, it sucks it happened to him, but it hasn't happened to me. And you never fucking know when it can happen to you. It was this past week that Jakob Lauko on the Bruins almost lost a fucking eye. If you look at the picture he posted on social media, it is between the fucking... It's basically the corner of his nose and the, the where your fucking eyebrow connects yeah. and ends, right? Think about it. That is an inch away from probably losing his goddamn eye. And you can say, oh, well, visors are now mandated for players. And yes, they are because the NHL learned. Although you still have some players that you're like, well, you're grandfathered and you don't have to wear one. And I'm sorry, at this point, I view that as irresponsible as fuck. Yeah. I'm not going to name the players because the list are out there. I'm not calling anyone of them out individually. But for that group of players where you're not required to wear a face mask because you're grandfathered in, you're being irresponsible as fuck at this point. And honestly, you're setting a bad fucking example for people that are watching the game at this stage. Um, I genuinely think those players, and there's one on the Boston Bruins, um, you, need to, you need to set a better fucking example at this stage. Yeah. Wear the fucking visor. It's not a full cage at this point. It fucking should be by the way. It's not a full cage. It's just a basic-ass fucking visor. Put the goddamn thing on. At the same time, 
I, I, I'm just genuinely surprised at people who are, are, are parents. If you're not requiring, especially if you fucking play hockey yourself, and you're not requiring people to and said i'll let you go i'm just gonna keep fucking going i don't want to lose my train of thought you're good um i don't understand the people as well that um let their kids play hockey and they themselves don't kind of show that care lead by example teach by example essentially i can't imagine being a parent and just being like, yeah, no, my kid doesn't need to wear a neck guard. My kid doesn't need to wear wrist guards. There needs to be a new level, a new standard. And as I mentioned, in regards to the equipment and the idea that, oh, it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not breathable, even though you have the essentially the Under Armour shirts that just go up. Even if they're still not the most comfortable, as the demand grows for them to be commonplace in the game, they are going to get more comfortable because more emphasis will be on this being a required piece. So more attention and time will go into making these as light, cool, and comfortable as possible because everyone needs one now instead of it just being a thing that's by choice. More resources will go into the equipment taking that next step up i just and you know again i was gonna mention i mentioned freaking other injuries and goalies with neck guards fucking malcolm suban took a puck to his fucking larynx and fractured it when he was in junior there's so many different examples and it's that idea of needing to learn from the past and essentially not not failing Adam Johnson and his family at this point. This has to be the line in the sand of we should have made those changes a long time ago and we didn't. And now look at this. And if you have the English Ice Hockey Association saying we're making this mandatory, the NHL needs to lead by example and be at the forefront of this. They simply have to be. You are not going to kind of see the change that you need to see in this situation unless the number one is leading the way. And I will reiterate, you have seen the fact that this is an inherently dangerous sport, and it is, but there are ways to make it safer at this stage. And like I said, it's too late for someone like Adam Johnson or of an older generation it's probably too late for the guys who are in junior or starting in college right now and for the guys in between, uh, you know, that those two generations. But for kids now, again, if you instill day one, this is just a part of the equipment, you will eventually see that change where it's not an issue. And it's just what people wear to play hockey. And it's a goddamn shame that that didn't happen sooner Something has to be done about it now. And I really hope to see the NHL leading the charge there. In the AHL, you had members of the Providence Bruins wear one uh, during their game last night. Um, you also had the really, really like heart-wrenching tribute from members of the Ontario Reign that had played um, with Johnson previously. It's just one of those things as we welcome back Sin here. Um 
it's just one of those things where, and I feel like I, I finally run out of steam on on the rant and sin again. I apologize for kind of uh, taking the reins with this whole thing, no, but it's good. been it's been something where it's like it's it's been on my mind since it happened, especially in the aftermath of hearing that he passed away, where it's the the genuine sadness for for him, his friends, his family, um, and frustration that it's even a thing because yeah. and again it's you in no way can anyone blame adam johnson like oh we should have been wearing a neck guard fucking hardly anybody does and that's the problem yeah i think you're making you know really good point about how this needs to become normal i mean there's there's pushback when they're fucking making people wear helmets in the nhl um, you know that's something else i was going to mention you're right Players didn't wear helmets. Goalies, fiance didn't know this. Again, she wasn't really a hockey fan before she met me. Goalies used to not wear masks. Mm -hmm. And it was a source of pride to not wear a mask. Crazy. We've grown beyond that. Sorry if there was an extra point that you had that I cut you off on. No, but. no, not at all. Like, that's just, you, you were right in that, like, unfortunately, rules are written in blood. And that was one of them because someone died after they smacked their head on the ice and they started mandating helmets. Um, but yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Lauco because that was the thing I thought of. Like, like that, and, and that happened a couple of years ago, too, where someone took a skate, like, right here. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's even through visors and, and, and other stuff like that. Like, it's... Yeah. Of, of course, there's no fail save, but this whole tough guy thing needs to stop. I, mm -hmm. I saw I uh, when people start bringing up, you know, net guards, people out, out of the word work come all the motherfuckers who are like, ah, oh, soft. Mm. Like, but someone just died, man. Like, and yes, while you don't want to overreact, that's that's the whole that's what human nature does. I mean, the whole war on drugs was brought about because a dude in basketball OD'd who was a big star. And that is, and that yes has led to more horrific stuff. But like those same people who are all about the toughness and stuff like that, love that kind of shit. I love war on drug, love crime and punishment. I'm getting off topic, but I want to bring it back to just the whole thing of like, I don't want the NHL to continue to cater to these people. Mm -hmm. the, the it's the same people, the same reason why they got rid of the specialty nights and why they later made the statement to ban pride tape and stuff like that. It's the same kind of people, the same faux toughness, macho, keep the game old school and all that stuff. And it's just no. <sighs> my it's fear good. as a hockey fan is that the NHL is going to wait until it happens on their fucking ice. I don't. Ugh. That's that's the fear is that they're going to be like, well, you know what happened in England? And no, oh, we got the. And the players as well. The fear is, like, the, the fact of the matter is, sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. Mm -hmm. That is just a fact. Um, if you are, especially if you are a professional athlete, that drive, that competitive, competitiveness that got you there is often detrimental to your health. You see it in the, the, the MMA world with weight cutting. Um, even someone who's not a large dude like Conor McGregor, who would cut weight and would look like a fucking skeleton on the scale and then would put 20 pounds back on 
between nights of the weigh-in and the fights. Sometimes you have to step in and say, we need to protect you from yourselves. And this is one of those instances where, like I said, there is that group of guys who will say, you know, condolences, I met him, he was a really nice guy. But they will also say, well, it's a freak injury, and well, it's the first time someone's died on ice in a really long time in a professional setting, and they won't do anything. You have to force people. You have you'll have to drag some people kicking and screaming into this change, even if it's for the betterment of their own safety and health. That is just how some people operate. It is. Um, it's that idea too behind visors and oh well, grandfathered and the people don't have to wear it. But if you're new, you have to wear it now. And a lot of people were pissed. But guess what? People still wear visors in the NHL now, and it's not a big fucking deal anymore. People wear helmets, and it's not a big deal anymore. People, goalies wear masks, and it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah. Even if you have to drag people kicking and screaming, you have to do it. Otherwise, if and honestly, like I think of uh, of F one as well. It's speaking about sports, um, and longtime F one fans will know this. Not all that long ago, I think it was 2018 that this was implemented. Before that, it was just an open cockpit. It was just you sitting down, and that's it. Now, if you watch F1, they have something called the Halo, which is essentially a, compare it to a T, right? You have a roll bar, essentially, three points, one, two, and three right in the middle to stop you from potentially getting fucking crushed by an airborne car. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't fucking like this. this, this." And now it's just a thing because people are like, oh, shit. Especially, um, we've already seen a couple of drivers who would have died in the past five years. Roman Grosjean, Guan Yu Zhou come to mind. These guys would have fucking died if it wasn't for that change. Um, To the point now where even like the most staunch people who were against it are like, yeah, no, it was a good idea. Sometimes you have to drag people kicking and screaming to change, even if it's illogical that you should have to do that in the first place yeah um there has there just has to be that change i do not care how oh it's uncomfortable and oh i don't care and sin one of the points that i made when you had to step away was the idea that once it becomes a standard thing more resources time will be invested into making it as light as cool as less distracting as it can possibly be because that's what happens necessity fuels invention this whole idea of oh they're going to be as uncomfortable as they were in 1998 that that's not a fucking thing yeah um not to mention this whole goddamn idea and let's be honest we know where this is a fucking problem it's at the grassroots level beer leagues i know people who have worn neck guards at beer league that got chirped oh you fucking pussy it's the idea that and I know the stories are out there. Oh, cool. I don't have to wear one anymore. Fucking yeet. Just get rid of that thing. Don't need to wear it anymore. No one's forcing me to wear it anymore. I got chirped in middle school uh, when playing basketball for a league because I wore knee pads. Because, mm. <laughs> like, I, I fucking went hard. 
like and then you know you'd fall down like my my parents like hey you don't want to fuck up your knees you need those and i wore knee pads and shit like that and i I remember getting chirped by like people and i'm like whatever dude like (laughs) it's pretty sweet i'm like hey i can slide on my knees if i want it's so weird that like safety is like makes you less of a man like that whole mentality it's Mm -hmm. so fucking weird it's like you know what i want to enjoy being an old man and having good use of my body so you know people are fucking stupid yeah people are stupid and there's i'm sorry there's the crowd out there oh it should be personal choice you know the risk um and again i'm not going to name the other player it wasn't his choice but he is again the guy whose skate blade hit adam johnson is forever affected by this so even if your argument is, oh, well, Adam Johnson shows, the other guy fucking didn't. And he's going to be affected by this for the rest of his fucking life. As being a non-star in the NHL, whenever this guy's name is mentioned, this will be the first fucking thing that is brought up, is that he was the other guy involved in this incident. Yeah. He did not fucking choose that. But you will have that situation still pop up if it is a player's choice to not wear one, oh, because you know the risks. Like, at the end of the day, if I go to the fucking grocery store after we're done recording this, and I get in my car, and I get in an accident, I'm wearing my belt, the other driver isn't, but that guy dies and I don't, I'm still going to be affected by that because I was still involved in something that fucking killed somebody! Yeah, the people who who act like you should you should not feel any empathy or anything if something like that happens if someone else was quote like doing something wrong fuck me man like that's that that really worries me about us as society and not so much as a species but us as a fucking society because like some people have have just learned to not be empathetic or haven't been taught how to be empathetic and and you were, I don't know if that number's growing. It's just, we're hearing from those type of people more and more and more. And it really makes you feel, it's almost like in a situation of like where, where you're being gaslit by someone, it almost makes you feel like you're the crazy one. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why, 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 why do I always feel absolutely awful when bad things happen? It's like, well, you should, mm-hmm. you really should because you're, you're able to draw the comparisons and doesn't even have to be to your life. Like that is a life. That is a human. They thought mm-hmm. like you, they, they, they lived a life like you, like obviously not a direct comparison to how you live, but they, it, it is you essentially every single human being essentially when you strip everything away is the same fucking thing is what you are. And I, I yeah. shared my sympathies and I haven't talked about this on the podcast. Because what the fuck can I even say? I shared my sympathies last week um, with those who were involved in the the Lewiston shooting here in my home state. And because I dared mention that it was my home state, I had some fucking Neanderthals on social media. Oh, way to make it about you. And the point of mentioning that it happened in my state was to say that number one, and I'll mention this too, a lot of people know this from Twitch, um, when they found the shooter dead, he was less than a mile away from one of my groomsmen's houses. Um, so yeah, this situation hit pretty fucking close. Um, 
but it was one of those things where it's like, oh, how dare I send sympathy to people? Oh, how dare I be empathetic? Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, my comments on that situation were essentially like, hey, we're lacking common sense here and another fucking tragedy happened. The hockey world, we're lacking common sense here in making changes to protect people. And I hope to God that Adam Johnson's the last fucking one because he shouldn't have been on the list in the first place. You have to protect people from themselves on occasion. Obviously, I am not equating playing a sport to what the fuck happened in Lewiston, Maine, but you get the point in that there's this fucking attitude that some people have. Oh, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen here. And then shit does, and all of a sudden they change their tune. Yeah. But until then, they have no problem chirping people over the fucking equipment that they wear. I've talked to Deke. Good friend Deke Slayer, who's been on this show a couple times. Starts playing hockey at an older age than most people. Wears face protection. He's gotten chirped over it. Oh, yeah, what an irresponsible guy. Just wanting to play hockey somewhat recreationally that has a daughter at home that doesn't want to fucking lose an eye or, you know, yeah. suffer a serious injury. What a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to mention this as well, because, again, there's so many different branching aspects to this. And some people could maybe say, oh, hypothetical situations. You know that they're not in terms of how we're mentioning how people talk and discuss this shit. You we wish they were hypothetical. You know, they're not. Yeah. I mentioned Endo chiming in on this. Um, and obviously, as people who listen to the show routinely know or watch the show know, uh, he plays goalie on a essentially nightly fucking basis around the GTA, the greater Toronto area. Uh, he, he had this thing to add in regards to injuries. When Eric Carlson had his Achilles tendon sliced, the NHL mandated additional padding and protection for that area off of one incident. He also mentions in regards um, to the equipment... Newer advancements in technology have allowed Kevlar to be less intrusive and bulky even on base layers. Like, there's already been that step up. There will now be this continued step up in terms of this equipment being a more viable option, a less intrusive option, and it's now up to individual leagues. But again, I will continue to put the onus on the NHL because the NHL is the goal at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if... There's incident like NASCAR introducing the Hans device after Dale Earnhardt passed away. If you do not see the changes at the biggest level, at the target for people who get involved in the first place, you will not see changes elsewhere. It is on the NHL yeah. to lead this charge because if they don't, the change won't happen. I feel like we've mentioned everything that we can in regards to the subject. Um, you know, I am going to kind of put this out as its own clip on the YouTube side of things. I would have mentioned at the start of the podcast that this is not monetized. I want to uh, reiterate that, that for this, you know, like the, the podcast itself, I have no choice, essentially. But for this side clip, not monetized. We're not looking to freaking make a cent off of what is an absolute tragedy and, um yeah, if it makes me uh, an empathetic bitch to feel bummed out that 
friends and family of Adam Johnson have suffered a massive loss, then so be it. Um, I just really, really hope that he is the last at this stage because it, you, you hate to say it, but it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened, and I do not understand. And again, I've, I've mentioned the the Clint Malarchuk thing, and I do not recommend people even fucking Please Google don't. his name. Because when you do, Google image, picture, bam, right there, first thing, even when you're just trying to fucking Wikipedia it. Um, that incident happened in 1989, and goalies are still not mandated in the NHL. Um, it makes me wonder what would have happened if he did pass away. It, would that have been enough to be like, yeah, no, neck guards are, ma- are mandatory now. And the thing is, if this incident happens in 1989 and it became mandatory after that, this generation of goalies that we're watching right now would have known nothing else but wearing a neck guard and it wouldn't be a conversation at all. It wouldn't be a big deal at all because it would have been the standard. Yep. With that, everybody, we will look to wind things down um, for this show. Um, Sin, I don't know if we had any other kind of topics we wanted to, to cover or discuss for our little overtime no. segment. I don't think we do. Um, I don't know what I want to encourage people to do. Fucking think before you speak. Be empathetic, people. Don't attack the other person involved in this on social media. Go for a fucking walk, if that's even a thought. Um, like I said, just hopefully this is the, the last time. Um, while he is not here, I still want to, uh, of course, implore people to follow the, the one and the only Endurance M. E-N-D-O-R-A-N-C-E. M on Twitter and of course on Twitch he is still streaming uh, quite often doing some be a pro stuff Sin what do you have going on usual stuff you know YouTube and things like that you can find me everywhere at 2K24 of course we will be back later this week Again, the schedule is going to be a little bit disjointed over the next two weeks um, because I am getting married in six days, um, which is fucking weird to think about. Um, Hubby 24. mm, Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, Yeah. Just all I can do to wrap up this show is just encourage people to be good people and um, don't be afraid to take the extra bit of goddamn precaution when you're doing something that is inherently dangerous. It does not matter if people are going to fucking haze you for it. Um, it's literally better to be safe. You know, we're not encouraging people to live in a bubble, but it's just certain risks you don't have to take. 